0: Howdy and hello. Welcome to Honky Tonk Happy Hour with the University of New Mexico Honky Tonk Ensemble co-facilitated by I'm Christina Jacobson and I play acoustic guitar and steel guitar. Christina co-facilitates with
1: My name is Alex McMahon. I'm from Albuquerque, New Mexico. My primary instrument is the guitar.
0: And we are the ensemble this fall. I'm Eva Stricker. I'm from Albuquerque, New Mexico, and I play the fiddle.
1: This is Kevin from Los Angeles. Now of Albuquerque, I'm here to play my guitar.
2: This is Frank. I'm from the Boston area originally, but I've been in Albuquerque a long time, and I play rhythm guitar.
0: I'm Aubrey from Northern New Mexico, and I play the bass. Join us on our honky-tonkin' adventure. Country music has been described as three chords and the truth. That might sound simple, but the truth is harder to come by than you would think. That perhaps is one of the many reasons playing and listening to country music is such a pleasure. Today, we've got some iconic tunes from the past and tunes of the present. In addition, we are excited to feature songwriter, recording engineer, and collaborator, and amazing musical artist in general, Meredith Wilder, who has been present in spirit in our last two podcasts. Finally, we are happy to hear from Meredith directly. But first, to kick things off, we've got Kevin and very special guest Phyllis with about the saltiest tune we've done yet.
1: About to find out co-written by vocalist and guitar player Margot Price, along with her multi-instrumentalist band member and husband, Jeremy Ivey.
3: Well, I had about enough of your two-set words and the way you run running your mouth. No, you haven't got a clue or another thing to do except to take another picture of yourself high on the hall, looking down at the saw. You may have come so easy and happened so fast, the harder they come, they fall. You have many people fooled about your motivation, but I don't believe your lies. You blow so much smoke, it's bound to make you choke. I see the snow
1: Find Out was released on Margo's 2016 award-winning debut album, Midwest Farmer's Daughter. There's a story that just about every record label in Nashville declined to sign to Illinois-born singer. She and her backing band, The Price Tags, were eventually signed to Jack White's Third Man Records label. Originally the song's subject character, for whom Margo emphatically sings her scorn and their expected comeuppance, was based upon a musician acquaintance of hers that she described as a complete sociopath. Shortly after the song's release, Margo used the song as a political statement. On the day following the U.S. presidential election, Margo and her band performed their song live on NPR's Tiny Desk concert. Before playing their song, Margo dedicated the song to the election's winner.
0: Thank you, Kevin and Phyllis. Now over to Dr. Honky Tonk.
4: Hey, everyone. I'm so excited to be interviewing my musical colleague and good friend and one of my favorite musicians of all time, Meredith Wilder. So welcome, Meredith. Thank you. I'm so excited to be talking with you, Christina. We wanted to get a little bit of a sense for your musical history and your life as an artist and a songwriter and an update on some of your current projects and how you've been weathering COVID, among other things. So I guess we could start with how do you think about balancing your creative work with your studies? So you're you're finishing up a program of study right now in the medical field, um, or with your "quote unquote" day job. However, you want to see that. How do you find that? How do you find that balance? I think
2: that at the moment it comes in waves of desperation where I realize it's been far too long since I sat, whether it's even just listening to a piece of music and really sitting with it um, or creating something. Um, But at the moment, it, especially since March, it feels like little bursts of um, necessity. And uh, I think less than a, process at the moment i've definitely been in positions where i'm able to take advantage of time and turn it into more of a songwriting practice but at the moment it's it's really just little windows of opportunity where Mm. i have no choice but to take advantage of it or uh there's a part of me that's so desperate to just exercise you know the the musical part of me that um forces itself out
4: Yeah. So like these, these little slivers that, that you manage to slip in that feel super, super essential. And yeah, fundamental. And
2: yeah, absolutely. And if I don't make time for it, it finds a way to, to make me uh, <laughs> focus on it. Nice, <laughs> nice. So um, one of the songs I wanted to share with everyone, uh, since we are on a honky tonk, podcast which is super cool because I have a I've had a lot of fun playing honky tonk and western swing music um there's a Patsy Cline song she's got you and uh I I think I when I sat down and decided I was going to record this I knew that I could do a true to Patsy Cline version of it because I love adding in that country twang and her especially her way of singing things is really fun to try Um, but when I sat down to do it I was just feeling a little more rock and roll and I was testing out my electric guitar this uh, telly that uh, Jason Fink made in Albuquerque and um, I just got to playing those chords as power chords and started making up little guitar riffs to go along with it and lots of harmonies. And, um, I think I, tr- I think I turned it into a pop rock song. I'm not quite sure. Um, but I, I really appreciate Patsy Klein's um, her way of wearing her heart on her sleeve in mm. almost every song. She just hits you right where it hurts. And mm. this song in particular, I thought was really fun. And, um, I was at a, uh, an artist residency while I was doing it. And so I had days and days to really dive into a song and um, record as many parts as I wanted, let it sit for a little bit and then come back to it the next day and see how I wanted to change things up. So it was a really fun process. Cool. Yeah. Well, let's take
4: a listen.
5: I've got your picture. like it used to be the only Same as when you were here, the only thing different, the only thing new I've got the records, and she's got you. I've got
4: recorded this song on your own when you were on a retreat, um, a songwriting retreat up in Taos, right? Yeah, the artist
2: residency was the Helene Wurlitzer Foundation in Taos and uh, artists of all mediums can apply. And uh, I was selected to go there. So I spent a little over um, two and a half months just writing and recording. And I had a Patsy Cline album on my playlist and spent a lot of time listening to her. And so I I got to She's Got You and decided one day that I had to cover it.
4: One of the things that, that also occurs to me that, that seems really important to mention here is your work as an engineer um, and all of the recor- amazing recording work you've done. So I should, you know, you um, recorded my most recent album that I released, Shelter. Um, and then before that we'd done um, our EP of co-writes, right? Elemental. But then you've started to record a lot of other artists. I don't know if you want to reflect on that at all, or to tell us about some of the projects, other recording projects you've done. Yeah,
2: it's it hasn't been too much. Christina, it was wonderful working with you. And thank you for taking a chance on a, a brand new uh, novice recording Best chance engineer. I
4: ever
2: took. <laughs> um, but I mean, I have I have very basic gear here at my house, and um, but it's something that I would love to pursue in the future. And the um, few experiences I've had recording you and Jason Murray were wonderful, and I felt really lucky to be the person that that the artist could feel safe with in both of those situations. Yeah, I think that more often than not, a recording studio quote unquote is a stressful expensive place to be and to create more of a nurturing environment for an artist is definitely something I'm very happy to provide so um, I think that's almost more important than the knobs and the uh, all the different gear you can get for that which is super important too but um, I suppose perhaps I'm making up for not having a full-on studio at the moment with um,
4: making sure I'm connecting with people that I know and that trust me. I can say as a songwriter and as an artist, it was really important for me this go round to be able to work with an engineer with whom I had a relationship and that I knew before I went into the studio. And it was also very powerful and important to me to work with a female engineer in this particular case. Amazing that, that you were there and I, and I had, you know, and had the time and we were able to do that together.
0: More from Meredith coming up. Now, the ensemble has another tune perhaps everyone can relate to, whether getting through a really bad relationship or just not wanting to stay
6: home. Christina, tell us more about what attracted you to this tune. So the song, I Don't Want to Play House, was written by Billy Sherrill and Glenn Sutton, but it was first recorded by the iconic country vocalist Tammy Wynette, who in my estimation is one of the top three country vocalists of the 20th century. Um, She cut it in 1967, it later won her a Grammy for the best female country vocal performance. And what I love about this song is her delivery in the way that, that she sings it. There's a certain cry in her voice. There's a really kind of rough, just slightly rough vocal timbre that depicts sorrow or a ravaged voice the way sometimes our voices sound after we've been crying, Um, and this sorrowful timbre in the delivery of a song about divorce and being left, one of the classic themes of a lot of Tammy Wynette songs I find super, super effective in this performance. The song was also later covered by a number of other female vocalists, including Loretta Lynn. And um, I hope you enjoy it. Today I sat
5: alone at the window And I watched our little girl outside at play With the little boy next door Like so many times before But something didn't seem quite right today To see what they were doing Then the teardrops made my eyes grow dim Cause I heard him name again And I hung my head in shame When I heard our little girl say
0: We're switching headings. For the rest of the semester, we are focusing on some original tunes. And what better way to start than to have Meredith share one of her original tunes and talk about her
4: process. What, what parts of a song, if you're, I guess for right now, let's say you're writing on your own, what parts of a song come to you first? How do you tend to flesh it out? What's, what's your own process sort of from maybe the early juice Seed spark of a song to the very very end when you feel like more or less it's in a finished form in some sense.
2: Yeah, I I don't know if this is true for um, other songwriters, but I kind of feel like there are categories of types of songs that I write um, depending on what kind of process comes when I'm trying to finish it. Um, there's definitely the the collaborative part where um, it's really easy to to catch more sparks with other people when you're tossing ideas back and forth for myself. Personally, when I'm alone, um, I like to start with different instruments. Um, I go back and forth from piano to guitar and find different sounds there. Um, But I don't really like to start one certain way every single time. And I think Mm. I decided that, um, you know, when I was 18 and uh recording in a full album I at that time I I just I maybe I sort of intuitively realized that if I sat down with a guitar and played some chords every single time it would be a similar result and so I like to go in um sometimes I write lyrics first and then uh-huh. slap on some music sometimes I sit down at the piano come up with a chord progression and just l- listen to that for a few days until I decide what that chord progression is telling me um, uh-huh. Or I love the practice of finding text that's already there, poetry or lines from books and gathering inspiration from those, either using the words directly or my own interpretation of it. Um, so it's a little bit of everything. And I think that uh, even though I like to be pretty organized on the surface, as far as songwriting goes, it's really disorganized in my head and uh, it, it takes help from other friends and songwriters to when we're collaborating to make me realize that there's a little bit more of a structured way of doing it and and that's why um, if I sit down by myself to do it that way it's a much different kind of song than
4: what I would normally do um, without really thinking about it if that makes sense. Sure yeah it makes a lot of sense and I yeah I can totally relate to the different MOs that we use when we're writing by ourselves versus when we're doing co-writes with others. You're one of the only people I know as a songwriter that can like schedule a time during the week, you know, called songwriting time and then sort of <laughs> like have a date with yourself and sit down and write like that, it, that you don't, it takes the whole idea that you don't need to be struck by divine inspiration to a whole new level. In the right. sense that you, and I remember this from the Indie Boulder Crookie days and otherwise, like for you, as I saw it or as I understood it, you would set that time for yourself and then you would sit down and in some form or another, you would write a song during that time or you would at least make the attempt. And I've always had such admiration for that. Thanks. I I think that there's also something to be said for what I've definitely learned from
2: you and in your in your country music class too, learning the structure of all those old tunes and how you attempt um, that process. I think I really, I really do admire someone who can come at it from a little bit more of a structured point of view and like, you know, every single morning writing a little bit, creating more of a habit and a practice because the times when I have been in those, zones of creative uh you know making creativity a priority i do notice a change in how the songs come out and um it would be really cool to get back to that point but i'm grateful that i'm able to schedule things and write songs as as
4: needed um but well, yeah like for me it's also just like i i think it's an amazing thing that you have this you know this faith that a song will show up when you set that date i think for so many artists it's like I don't know. Am I going to have anything when I sit down to do that? And so I guess what I loved about it was that there's like a premise that, that there is something that will show up. Absolutely. (laughs)
2: Yeah. And, um, a local Albuquerque songwriter, Joshua Benjamin Johnson, he has a song called sing song. And I just want to make a shout out to him because his song about the faith that a song will find you again, definitely has helped me through a lot of troubling times when I didn't necessarily believe that the songs would be there. Another song I would love to share with you uh, was a co-write at the Songs from the Rez songwriting retreat that Christina Jacobson started. And I am lucky enough to co-facilitate. And um, the, the final day of songwriting after four, maybe five days of songwriting this week, that this particular week where um, the song was written, I sat down with uh, my co-writing partner. We told each other stories. We separated and we came back together and um, had presented songs based on each other's stories. And um, this particular songwriter had shared a story with me about how riding his motorcycle was the ultimate freedom for him. And I had never I've, I've been on a motorcycle once, but I've never felt free on anything that goes that fast without the protection of a full on car, you know, on the road. So um, I just really wanted to get into that headspace that he was in and put myself in his shoes, which was a really cool exercise in co-writing and um, ended up coming up with this song that I hope rings true to his story called Motorcycle.
5: 15 miles per hour Weaving Firm, full of fear that I'd wind up dead, but it's the only way I can survive. Listen out on this beautiful sky
4: Can you talk a little bit about some of your current projects and bands that you're a part of?
2: Yes. Um, So the most long lasting group that I've been a part of is Wildwood. We started in 2011 roughly and um, played really consistently in Albuquerque for about six years. Um, That group, um, after I moved to Colorado, we, kept doing annual shows, reunion shows in Albuquerque once or twice a year. And just recently, um, within the past year, but even before COVID-19 was a thing, we were recording long distance and sharing ideas, trying to get a little bit more back on track with regular collaboration. And we've come up with some new ideas that we're really excited about, and uh, we're trying to put dates on the calendar to make it a little more concrete uh, for full releases. Um, I'm also a part of a group called Elmer here in Boulder. Tell us what that stands for. That is the first letter of all of our names. (laughs) So we've got Erica Chambers, Lindsay Wells, myself, Meredith Wilder, and Ryan
4: Wainfall. Awesome. So E-L-M-R, all capital letters, right? Yes.
2: And uh, the four of us really got to know each other's songs in the indie boulder kirky songwriting group and we were playing so many in the rounds together we kind of looked at each other one day and realized that we should just be a band and um we got to do a really cool gig right before everything shut down last february with a choir in denver and we're still working on recordings that we've made over the past really over the past like two years trying to get those together to release too um There's a songwriter, uh, Jason Murray, who lived in Albuquerque for a little bit and moved to Boulder not too long after I was there. And uh, he and I are working on recordings together. Um, So I do think of that as a collaboration. It's a little bit more at at the moment of me adding some touches to his music, but we do have a co-write we are trying to record. And then of course I've got collaborations continuously going on with you, Christina. Um, the great Christina Jacobson, and uh, those are always fulfilling
4: and wonderful collaborations. Um, Your influences and artists that, that have inspired you, what, who have been the, the primary folks for
2: you? That's a great question. I, when I think of this um, answer, it's usually a lot of friends and local songwriters that I know that inspire me the most. And I think that is because I know the stories behind the influence of the songs and uh, what the person is going through. And it's it's a little more personal. And I really dig that. But as far as uh, well-known artists that have really stuck with me through the years, uh, Ray LaMontagne always comes up. Um, he's got a really, I mean, those of you that know his music, he's got a really cool sound that he's able to manipulate uh, from album to album. And I appreciate how um, he does full albums. And it seems to me like he really takes the time to spend time with the songs in the studio and, and make a full production that he likes. Uh, David Gray is another artist I really love, who also pushes the boundaries of sound worlds a little bit mm. more than um, some folk artists do. And then John Moreland recently, he has an album that came out not too long ago that Uh, I was really interested in and he's he's got this gritty country sound with his songwriting but a lot of it is just him and his voice and his guitar so it it really you know it's stripped down it's just a skeleton of the song and it stands on its own so
4: are there any are there local artists that you want to that you want to reference to you said that Albuquerque is so sort of fundamental to you as a as an artist and has been
2: Yeah, for sure. I bring that up a lot, even though I've been in Colorado for four years now. Uh, (laughs) The Albuquerque artists are still the ones that stay with me. Um, Of course, the Tumbleweeds, which the Honky Tonk Ensemble knows uh, and loves, they were such a sweet um, duo and sometimes trio that we uh, got to play with when I played a lot in Albuquerque. And I felt like they We're doing a really good job of keeping a historical sound alive Mm. and uh you know continuing with a western swing tradition um the saltine ramblers Mm. who don't play very often anymore but um i'll probably talk about wildwood later on Um, but with our trio in albuquerque saltine ramblers um, took us under their wing and i loved how each one of them was a songwriter and uh took lead on certain songs so you got a different sound throughout an entire set whenever they would play and um Pond Drive was another band that I really loved um that that had a little bit more of a gritty um southwestern sound uh lots of cool instrumentation mandolins steel um lots of guitar and bass and yeah, Pond Drive had a really good family feeling when they played their gigs. You could tell they were there to have a good time and they loved making music. And, and that's another thing, too, with the local artists that not only knowing a little bit more about why they play music and how they write songs, but just seeing the joy on people's faces. I think that um, when I see that live, it really makes me appreciate a, a songwriter or a musician or a band more. Um, which is kind of funny because I tend to take a little bit more of a serious approach when I'm performing. Um, And I think think that just inspires me to be a little more free Mm. and joyful.
4: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Thank you so, so much for chatting. Tell everyone where you're calling in from. I am in Louisville, Colorado. And this
2: has been a real pleasure. Thank
4: you so much for taking the
2: time to talk with
4: me. For us, to Thank you for being a, a guest of the UNM Honky Tonk Ensemble. It's always an honor.
0: Thank you, Meredith. And thank you all for listening. Coming up, we have a collaboration between the ensemble and the UNM songwriting class. But that's all for now. Catch you later.